Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh Adidas squeak across the bathroom floor. Out my back window, I take my escape. Didn't even get a chance to grab my old school tape. Mad with no music, happy cause free. And the streets to a player is the place to be. Got a knot in my pocket, weighing at least a grand. Gold on my neck, my pistol's close in hand. I'm a self-made monster of the city streets. Remotely controlled by hard hip-hop beats. But just living in the city is a serious task. Didn't know what the cops wanted, didn't have time to ask. And welcome back to the Football Freestyle. This is episode three. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. You can follow me on Twitter at F-Ball Game Plan. I'm always joined with my co-host, I-W of Do You Music. That's D-U-E-U Music. You can find this music at doyoumusic.com. Follow him on Twitter at Do You Music as well. I dub, how's it going? I'm doing fine, man. Listen, I'm gonna just say this. I don't think people understand how important Ice T is to the rap game. Like too many people know Ice T as an actor from Law and Order. Like Ice T, the real deal, man. And and that six in the morning was one of the <laughs> classic songs. I mean, you couldn't get more descriptive in the intro, <laughs> right? Man. No, it couldn't start a song any harder than that song got started, man. Well, if anybody not familiar with what we do here at the Football Freestyle, it's about just free-flowing the football conversation, and we always top it off with some nice lyrics at the end. We have musical interludes and all that stuff like that. But, again, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. uh, Search Football Game Plan Podcast. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes and also archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating. Share all of our content with your friends. Listen to us while you're at the gym and all that good stuff like that. And also don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network, which is located at YouTube.com slash Football Game Plan. We're going to get to your questions. We're going to have another tough conversation. We're going to tackle right. some stiff-arming football myths. We're going to do our meanwhile that you guys love and also talk about some media cannibalism. Can't wait to dive into that. But we got to start things off, man, with some breaking news. Earlier this week, I dubbed Cardell Jones. You know, one of I mean, the top quarterbacks in the in college football gets traded to the Los Angeles Chargers. What are your thoughts on that move? Um, I'm gonna just say this. I, I'm I'm sad about it because he went to a team where I mean, you gotta say he doesn't le- have a legit pl- chance of playing. So that's just that's what the sad part is that you don't see him unseating Philip Rivers. What all Philip Rivers has done in his career, but. I mean, do I think he's better than Phillip Rivers? Do I think he has the type of talent as Phillip Rivers? Yes. Um, is you know, I don't know what Buffalo's doing, man. I, I just wish the guy would have ended up in a better spot. That's all I can say. Going to the Chargers, I mean, that puts San Diego. If you're in San Diego, you got to be ecstatic because you got somebody who can take over as soon as Phillip Rivers leaves. Or not only that, if Phillip Rivers goes down for injury, you won't ha- you won't take a drop back. You or will likely take a step up. I mean, we know, like we talked about on previous shows, we know what Cardell Jones does in big games, and Phillip Rivers has yet to make it to a few big games, and yet that ex- succeed in big games. So they have a big game quarterback on their roster now. So if you're a San Diego fan, you got to be thrilled about it. I'm just personally not thrilled about it because I want to see the kid play immediately. Well, that, here's the thing. I think it's a great situation because Phillip Rivers is, what, 36 years old? So he's only going to be there maybe another year or two. Plus, this is the most important part of that move that I really like is the fact that new head coach Anthony Lynn was in Buffalo last year. And so one of the first trades he makes is to go and get Cardell Jones. 
Keep in mind, they didn't draft the quarterback, and right now he got to compete with Kellen Clemens and Mike Bercovici. So <laughs> you can easily say Cardell Jones is the backup quarterback or the quarterback of the future, and now you put him in that offense, and we know that offense, they were touchdown to check down. So right. he's going to be able to throw the ball vertically down the field, some great receivers out there, great tight ends, and he does get out of a situation because it seems like Buffalo is all hell bent on trading away Cordell Jones, he did that. They're trying to run Tyrod Taylor out of town. They have firmly committed themselves to short passes and checkdowns with uh, Nate Peterman and TJ Yates. Yeah, no, and here's the thing. Like I said, I, I say I don't personally like the move because I want to see him play. It's selfish of me to say that. But if I'm in San Diego, I mean, you know, this is a guy who we talked about if he would have come out after that little three-game stretch, man, I think he would have been the top ten pick. I mean, so they just reloaded that quarterback. I mean, this guy is the real deal. So, I mean, if I'm a San Diego fan, they're blessed to have him. I'm just personally, as a fan of Cardell Jones, I want to see him play, like, immediately. So. Yeah, and you never know with, with Phillip Rivers and, and things like that. But at least we'll see him get extended playing time in right. the preseason. So, I mean, we look at now moving on to football frenzy, our questions coming from Twitter. We only had one question this week, man. We have to do a better job of fishing out some questions, but it was a good one. It's coming from my homeboy at four verts. They do a great job with their setting the edge podcast. And he asked the question, what are your expectations for some of these high profile rookie running backs? Let's start with a guy that, that generated a lot of buzz going into the draft and throughout the course of college football season. Uh, Joe Mixon, what are your thoughts on Joe Mixon uh, this year as a rookie? Well, here's the thing. I think Joe Mixon is in a great situation. The only problem is Joe Mixon is in a crowded backfield. So you got to, you know, it all depends on how Marvin Lewis, Marvin Lewis and the staff feel when they wake up that Sunday on uh, who might get carries because I'm still a big Jeremy Hill fan. So I think Hill and Mixon will be the top two backs. But, you know, in Cincinnati, they still try to work Giovanni Bernard into the offense. So I think Mixon, as far as Cincinnati's offensive scheme, the weapons they have on the team, they drafted well offensively. Uh, I think Mixon is in a great situation to succeed, but it's the opportunities that he'll get. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, who is going to take over that starting role because, you know, at first they wanted Bernard, then they went to Hill, and now it's Mixon. But I still think uh, Hill is, you know, worthy of being a starting back, but Mixon is in a great situation. Yeah, I mean, I think he is in a great situation. I do like the fact that this is a guy that has – the receiving skills and you know he has the ability to get touchdowns I, I i saw a lot of talk pre-draft about him being the best running back in college football but or in the in the nfl draft i don't think that's the case because for me he still goes down a little bit too easily for a guy that's 6'2 225 but i do think he's like a bigger version of what they already have on the roster in Gio bernard so i think the mixing hill combination would be a good one uh, the guy that I had as the number one receipt, uh, running back in the draft, a guy that you probably had as well or definitely think highly of is Leonard Fournette. Do you think he's going to be the breakout star this rookie season for Jacksonville? Um, I mean, he could be. He has the potential to put up, you know, decent numbers, but the problem is the quarterback. And we know this. I mean, I mean, you told me this long ago that you can uh, stop the run on the way to the quarterback. So, if teams load the box against Jacksonville, you know, and just to put the pressure in the field of uh, Bortles, 
And, you know, if there's no fear of a legit passing game, then you really can stack the box and stop the run because the, the quarterback is going to fear pressure that's not there. You're going to have the line of scrimmage stacked with numbers in your side defensively. And if you can't, if the quarterback can't back you up because they can beat you passing with pressure, then, you know, you just send everybody and tackle on the way to the quarterback. And I just hope that Fournette doesn't find himself in that situation. I mean, he's going to bust a lot of runs due to the, like literally off the charts grade in any, you know, segment you try to grade him in. Uh, so I think Jacksonville, they'll be happy to have him. But until they get a better quarterback, you know, you won't see much from their team is what I is what I believe. So individually, yes, Fournette's going to have some amazing runs. I mean, he's way more athletic and agile than people give him credit for. Everybody thinks he's this big bruising, you know, power back, which he is. But he can make a man miss just as easily as he can run over. So uh, Jacksonville has a special player, but I don't expect, you know, some out of this world season from them as a team until they fix the quarterback situation. Yeah, people don't understand how the quarterback can affect the the running game. We saw that play out last year in Los Angeles with the Rams. You know, Jared Goff had people right. believing uh, you know, right. um, Ty Gurley was terrible. You know, it, it is funny because Jacksonville already have a really good back in TJ Yeldon that they feel as though it's terrible. But Once again, right? Same problem. Same problem. Same. And so, you know, if Bortles it, we've seen this this whole uh, dynamic play itself out in a positive way. If a coach understands that his quarterback is a liability, they take the ball out of his hands and put it in the belly of a back, kind of like Dallas did in 2014 with Romo, just like what Miami did last year with Tannehill. And right. you hope Doug Marone and Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, does the same thing with Blake Bortles and tr- doesn't try to make him be Mark Brunel, just hand the ball off you know, operate off play action, minimize his attempts, and Fournette could definitely average easily four and a half to five yards a carry. Yeah, but that's why I would say, you know, to answer that question, I think the guy in the best position to succeed is McCaffrey, mm-hmm. simply because he's playing with Cam Newton. So by default, and, and Carolina upgraded their receiver position. So now you got Cam Newton with a bunch of receivers and a dangerous running back. So I think, you know, the person who's in the best position, I mean, we always say this, people act like Carolina wasn't 15 and one two years ago. You know, like, I mean, this this is not a terrible team. I, every team had turnover, yada, yada, yada. But uh, Cam Newton is, is, is the real deal at quarterback. So McCaffrey really has no pressure on him. He just has to be him and be the playmaker that he is. And with that type of weapon to utilize from an offensive standpoint, I just think the, the 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 sky's the limit for Cam Newton with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. And I also like some IJP Ryan in Washington. I, I believe with with them, you know, we remember two years ago everybody thought uh, the running back they had was was the best, Matt Jones. Yeah. Um, oh, they found their running back of the future, right? And then last year it was Rob Kelly, you know. Nice. But now they finally, in my opinion, got a back that can really be the bell cow and plays a lot like Deuce Staley. I, I like I like P. Ryan. You do realize Matt Jones held out, right? Just making sure you remember that. That's going to be, man. At least we see Delvin Cook out there as well. Remember, people were like, oh, well, the Vikings got uh, Latavius Murray. Oh, so man. They don't need a running back. 
Hey, look, and here's the thing. One of the sleeper backs that are from this rookie class, and, you know, I, I've been on this guy for the past three years. And I fell in love with him when I first saw him at Toledo is uh, Kareem Hunt. You're talking about a guy that, as far as pound for pound running the ball, you can't say there's many people better than him. Uh, you know, maybe he didn't get as much of a spotlight playing out in Toledo and, you know, maybe some people took his numbers for granted, but this guy runs with a lot of power, very agile, amazing feet, can change direction. I mean, and being out there in Kansas City, I know this, you know, me, I was like, we say I'm an LSU guy. I can tell you, you know, Spencer Well not better than him. So if they were letting Spencer West start and they got Kareem Hunt now, I could imagine that when he get to practice and start doing what he's doing, they're going to realize he's the best player on the team. So I, I, I really think that Kareem Hunt could be a outstanding back in this league. I look at the two guys, the Green Bay Packers drafted him, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, and they came over with two outstanding tailbacks. And I know a lot of people, and this is where we kind of get frustrated with the fantasy football guys because they tend to look at only numbers and not necessarily the skill set of a player and what he can do best. And they think that Ty Montgomery is, you know, O.J. Simpson, right? Right. <laughs> so Ty Montgomery still plays like a receiver at running back. So that's why they went out and drafted two guys that have the pedigree that they do. Jamal Williams, when the last time we saw a BYU, I don't think we've seen a BYU back as good as Williams since right. Luke, Luke Staley. Uh, back when he uh, back back in the day, like early 2000s. And then Aaron Jones at UTEP, his I mean, this dude has some of the most fluid running skills in college football. So they got two guys that are going to take some carries away from Ty Montgomery. And I really wish, but this is a problem that Green Bay has when you draft cold receivers. You got to move them around. You got to find a way to get them on the field, right? Because, right. you know, <laughs> Ty Montgomery should be playing in the slot somewhere, uh, right. but they have him in a backfield. But I do think those guys would be some big-time sleepers. Hey, and, and another one, here's the thing. I, I, I feel bringing this name up because we already talked about how they're not going to let either of us in Chicago anytime soon. <laughs> but, you know, you can't forget about Tariq Cohen. And, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to just say this for one last time. My biggest fear is that they'll use him, you know, like a gimmick player. And if they do that, then they'll ruin all of his ability and the, his potential to succeed. I'm going to just say if they hand this dude the ball, the dude got a 14-minute highlight tape on YouTube. Go check it out. This is a, look him up, Tariq Cohen, North Carolina A&T. And if if if, if you if your eyes align to you, then it is what it is. That do need the ball. And if you're talking about explosiveness, you look at Delvin Cook uh, at in Minnesota, and you also look at Joe Williams out there in San Francisco. He's going to be the starter over Carlos Hyde, in my opinion. I mean, put me, give me the back that has the ability to put the ball in the end zone. And Joe Williams and Delvin Cook are easily home run hitters. I know. The problem with Dalvin Cook is this, though. It's just if, if they're out there and they start Sam Bradford, it's going to be the same situation. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's just so hard for anybody to have success when, when your quarterback is not a threat. I wonder if Joe Williams realized how much of a legend he is in New Orleans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> People, you don't understand where that joke came from, but it's an it's a old New Orleans song. Uh, West Bank thing, right? And it was uh, no, no, Ma called Marrero, mm -hmm. and it was a Jordan Way and Nightmare known as Joe Williams, right? <laughs> so, 
We should have played a song for these people to hear that's, that. That's for the next show. You got to play that. You got to you gotta leave the next show with that song. So, so they understand where that come from. Imagine being a Jordan wearing nightmare. Yeah, hey, the Marrero. Shout out to Ryan Clark. So uh, you have Danelle Pumphrey, the last guy I wanted to talk about, because I think he's in a situation in Philly where they have a crowded backfield, man. You have um, Sproles. You have uh, Blount. Yeah, Blount's still at, you know, Byron Marshall, they drafted. It was a free agent last year. Ryan Matthews still out there. You still have Wendell Smallwood. So, and Pumphrey is the all-time leading rusher, and he's going to probably get pigeonholed as a spot guy, a guy that's going to come in and be that quote-unquote satellite player or that space player or that any other stupid term they use to try to describe a back that's not 6'5", 270, right? Right. So, it, guys and that... And dealing with Wentz, too, though. That's, that's the thing, though. Like, that's, you know, <laughs> it, like, it's so many good running backs, but they playing with some, you know... Very, very questionable quarterbacks behind. And speaking of quarterbacks, you, you look at the rookie quarterbacks that we have in this draft class, right? And we're just going to talk about a few. And and there were some good ones um, that went to ideal situations. So let's just look at some of these rookie quarterbacks, starting with the number one quarterback taken in this draft, Mr. Trubisky. What do you think about Trubisky and his situation in Chicago? Uh, this is, I mean, literally, I'm, I'm going to say this and I mean it. He was surprised to get drafted. <laughs> so if he was surprised to get drafted, you already know how I feel. I mean, it once again, it's one of those meteoric skyrocketing up the draft boards that I never understand. This dude had one year tape is fine. I don't mind the one year tape. I mind the record. If you have one year tape, you better be undefeated. If you if you have one year tape, I better see some of the most amazing things I've ever seen in football. For you to be the number two pick in the draft so i don't have a problem with the one year a lot of players say one year but you was one year and you was eight and four or eight and five or whatever the record what, what was the record there was eight and five on a team that the previous <laughs> year went to what 12 and 12 yeah. or two in the so, acc um, championship game yeah. i mean you take an eight and five quarterback with the number two pick i mean i you know i'll never understand that and so once again i'm not saying that trubisky is not an nfl quarterback yeah, he can throw. He, you know, I can't throw a football like he can. But I'm saying that no way in the world should he have been the number two pick. Like, is he a number two pick caliber quarterback? No, indeed. Number two pick caliber quarterbacks don't go 85 and in if, one year. And if you tell me he's the number two drafted quarterback in his draft class, he's supposed to be already better than Mike Glennon. I'm not sure he's better than Mike Glennon. And why is he not starting if he's the number two pick right i know hey i don't get it i don't get it it's it's i really don't get it like i'm seriously like i'm still in shock like i don't know if i've ever stomached the fact that he's gonna be playing for the bears but i just hope you know the, i feel like the bears fans are in a state of like delusion where they're just hoping because they can't say they know because there's nothing to base it all you, you can't say oh this guy gonna lead us to the mountaintop how he what have you seen to make you believe that that he won a few games in ACC. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing on his resume that would give me hope. I mean, like you say, I Glennon, I, give me Glennon. I mean, he's no different. So they drafted number two, what they already had starting at in the first place. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel for the Bears fan. Yeah, but if you're a Texans fan. Oh, my goodness. Listen, 
you with the, the he was the second quarterback taken, I believe. The Sean Watson, uh, the national champion, goes to the Houston Texans and lands in an ideal spot to hit the ground running and do great things as a rookie. I think this is going to be the rookie of the year. Hey, listen, I'm going to say this. The Texans fans, and I will be so excited, and I, and I feel so so good for them because throughout their history, they've never had a quarterback, like, since they came into the league. I mean, they've had what the, you know, mass media would call quarterbacks, but they've never had a quarterback that was about the big games and the big moments and the big situations. Like, I mean, you take David Carr. We already know what he was. He would have had Matt Shaw. We know what he did. Then they put their faith in Osweiler. And I'm sure they had a few other people in between that I skipped over. But there's nothing in Houston Texans history at the quarterback position that they can hang their hat on. And you're taking the kid. When you're talking about a winner, you talk about not scared. You're talking about we'll put the ball in a tight spot. You know, who is a danger to run if, if everything breaks down. Um, I mean, I think he instantly makes Houston a playoff team. Like, instantly. And I don't mean wild card team i mean deep in the playoffs because you would always say the one thing you can't coach is not being scared and being ready for the big moment and that's the thing you look at the texans last year they were in the divisional playoff game and they had they forced what maybe two or three turnovers in the first half against new england and could not score touchdowns and so they ended up allowing new england to hang around and ultimately beating them if they had any quarterback play you know, they knock off New England and move on. And now they have that quarterback. And don't fall for that foolishness of, well, Tom Savage should start the season. He he looked good in camp and, you know, bring Deshaun Watson along slowly. Maybe in November you could put him in. No, Watson starts today. All right. No, here's the thing. An average player can get you to the playoffs. You need a great player to win playoff games. So the Houston Texans, they've always been a, a playoff team because they usually keep a solid defense and usually have some weapons. And, you know, even offensively, they've put some talented players on the field. You know, Andre Johnson, a number of different running backs or whatever. But they've never had the quarterback to, to take them to the, the next step or the level that you need to be at in order to succeed. So, I mean, having Watson and having somebody who you know, like I say, you look at his overall record, you look at what he did in college, you look at how he plays in tight games and in big moments, and once again, that's something that you can't manufacture. So that's what they have at the quarterback position for 16 weeks if they put him in there. And that's something Tom Savage, you know, athletically, talented-wise, the only thing he has on Watson is experience. Right, because, I mean, this is a guy that also ran from competition at Rutgers. And also, I think he transferred from one more school and then ended up at Pitt. So, I mean, that—that's the answer right there. Wheaton is probably going to be the backup. Watson is going to be the starter. And you move on to the next team that drafted a quarterback in the first round, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. They traded up to get Patrick Mahomes, and he goes to a similar situation where this is a playoff-ready team, maybe a Super Bowl-ready team that needs that quarterback to get them over the edge. And I wouldn't be surprised. If we see a Russell Wilson situation here where in the preseason he's going to play outstanding and it's going to be too outstanding to where they can't keep him on the bench knowing they have a guy in Alex Smith and knowing what, what his ceiling already is. So we Listen, we saw a dude last year in a playoff game. They lost eight. The Steelers beat them with six field goals. That's six terrible. field goals. They had to put the ball in the end zone at least one time to win that game. And they could not 
muster anything vertically down the field. And we've seen Alex Smith at his highest. We saw him get replaced in, in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick, and they go to the Super Bowl. We're going to probably see him get replaced probably this season in Kansas City, and it's going to look remarkably different with Patrick Mahomes is in there. Well, no, listen, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you on this, is that you know one thing about Patrick Mahomes is this. He, your quarterback, you scoring some points. If, if Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, you scoring some points. And I'll say this, even looking at his Texas Tech history, I mean, this dude literally, they scoring 70 and losing, 60 and losing, 50 and losing. So, I mean, his his ability to put points on the board, and, you know, you can talk about Big 12, Big 10 or whatever, and there's no defense or whatever. If this kid had any defense throughout college, he'd had a championship. I mean, it's sad that he was on a team that literally was like soft butter on a hot summer on the concrete. But, I mean, as far as defense goes, but offensively, his talent is, is superior. And I was just so happy to see Andy Reid recognize that and move up and get him because a lot of teams would have had to answer for passing on him. And we always talk about it. If you want something, you go get it. You don't wait. If you, if you know that's the player, you go get him. And I, and I really do believe they, will, they won't have any regrets about what they did to give up to go get Patrick Mahomes when it's all said and done. I mean, you look at a roster now that has Kareem Hunt, C.J. Spiller, uh, Tyreek Hill, DeAnthony Thomas, Travis Kelsey, I mean, my goodness. Yeah, no, hey. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and here's the, we also talk about this, and it's just true. You can't hide a great player in the preseason. That's the one position that quarterback, when you have a great, you know, who is supposed to be the backup, and then he's getting two and three quarters of action in the preseason, and he's doing things that you've never seen your starter do, then you got to start making up that excuse about, oh, it's just the preseason. No, it's not the preseason. That's what he's doing. So I just, I can't wait to see him. I mean, another guy I can't wait to see, and hopefully I get to see him out when I'm, I'm in Canton uh, next week, Deshaun Kaiser in Cleveland. And I feel like he's another one that's day one ready to go with an offense that, that looks really good as far as with the offensive line, the tight end position. They have some pieces at receiver. Deshaun Kaiser got unnecessary hate from the media. That's trying the same media and the same bloggers and draft analysts and fantasy guys that are trying to, tell you that Josh Allen of Wyoming is a can't miss. And this, it, and Deshaun Kaiser, we saw him play with NFL talent the previous year and had Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. They lose all that talent, and you have the worst coach screaming in your ear. Exactly. You know, I wasn't gonna, you know I wasn't going to let you get by without mentioning that. Like That's the one dude I would not want to play for if I was a quarterback because obviously screaming at your quarterback ain't solving your problems. Right, because you done ran. Not only did you run off Deshaun Kaiser, made this man go to the league, you ran off Malik Zaire. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? And so many other quarterbacks have transferred. The only quarterback Ghost that stayed. Did, remember Ghostin left. Yeah, yeah. Ghostin left and went to Florida State to Florida and played State. well. So yeah, only dude that I was mean. able to stand there and take it is Tommy Reese. And he was. <laughs> <laughs> and you could tell he was about to cry almost every day. <laughs> right. You know, so who do you thoughts on Deshaun Kaiser with the Browns? I think that's a great pick simply because this, I mean, and I will say this, I think it's about being coached up. And I think his talent speaks for itself. I really do think that Kelly's strategy or his approach to coaching is really, uh, you know, anti-productive for his quarterback position. Like it, it is self-prohibitant. Like it, it, it stops them from being able to grow when you fuss at them for everything they do. A turnover is a turnover. I mean, you get over it and you get ready for the next play. You put that man out on the field because you know he's your best shot. 
And if he's your best shot, you stick with him. I mean, and just seeing the way he treats his quarterbacks, you know, I I, I can't wait to see Kaiser give an opportunity to be around all NFL talent and be coached in a position where he's not worrying about if the coach is going to be screaming at him like he's six years old when he comes to the sideline. Yeah, you know what's interesting is that you're already hearing that it, training camp, you hear the same storylines each and every year, right? So you're already hearing like, wow, we're we're impressed that he's so far along within the offense. You know, <laughs> oh, we're impressed. He throws the ball well. He has a real good grasp so far of the system. Like, no, he's been cold. He's been right? a good player. You know what I'm saying? Crazy. Like, so, but here's the thing. I saw something the other day when people were talking about the young quarterbacks, you know, and how would they rank them. And when you talk about young quarterbacks, you're talking about guys like, let's say, as prospects coming in and maybe a little bit of what we've seen already from these guys in the NFL. So how would you rank these quarterbacks? Uh, Winston, Mariota, Carr, Bridgewater, Golf, Bortles, Wentz, Dak, and Garoppolo. How would you rank those guys? Well, I would say this. My my number one that I would have on that list would just be Winston, simply because you got to look at what Jameis has done already. We always remind people, if you have the number one pick, that means you got picked by the worst team in the league. So Tampa Bay went from being the worst team in the league to at the end of his rookie year, he was, I mean, putting together win after win. There was a threat nobody wanted to play him. Last year, they were 9-7 and seven and almost in the playoffs, and he wasn't playing with much talent. This year, they have, I mean, dramatically upgraded the roster. And, I mean, we always say this. You talk about Jameis going to leave. Like, that's you got to realize. Like, you talk about the most not scared dude on the planet. Like, literally, like, he, I mean, he make you really want to play football because you know he's not scared. And that's all you can ask. Just give me somebody that's not scared. First of all, his talent is first-round talent. So, obviously, we give that that uh attribute of you know being ready for the moment but overall dude got a cannon of our own ridiculously accurate and uh he, his pick numbers are a bit high because once again Jameis gonna throw it in there like he, he not <laughs> like, like like that's the thing he not gonna hold on to no ball he gonna throw it in there but most importantly like his pocket awareness like this dude does things that just the average player couldn't do you know what i'm saying he right over his talent supersedes his leadership so i mean he just he's got it all plus with what they put around him i think he's gonna just exploit you know a lot of defenses and number two on the list i would have Derek carr and just simply because i put him number two because his arm is elite obviously he's proven himself in his short career but i just give Jameis the nod simply because Jameis can do more with his feet they're both great leaders they're both you know great in the pocket and all that but I think when when Winston this year with the weapons he's having, I think Winston gonna put up ridiculous number. I mean, and here's the thing: we've already noticed that Jameis in, is already the first quarterback in NFL history to start his career with two four thousand yard seasons. So it's not like he hadn't proven that he's a more than capable passer. He's done something that hadn't been done before. So right. he, you know, but Derek Carr is one of my favorites. Third on that li- list, I'll put Dak Prescott. Dak once again that that fact of not being scared, being ready for the moment. Uh, fourth, I'd have Bridgewater. Now, why Bridgewater is a backup in Minnesota? That's I leave that up to Matlock to go look into that because I don't know what's <laughs> going on out there. And then uh, fifth, I would uh, I would have to give Mariota his props. He had a big, you know, big year last year. He stepped up a bit, um, made some big throws. They got a little talent around him in Tennessee, and the rest of them dudes I kind of put in the same flock. Uh, Wentz, I would say this. I wouldn't say that Wentz is 
doesn't have the courage in the pocket that he falls in that category that I would say is a scary quarterback, but he he is like false bravado where to me where he he pretends tougher than he is like he 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 thinks he's better than he is and the fact that he gets up you know slapping chest and you know spiking balls that comes <laughs> off as that he's this tough leader but i mean his talent doesn't match his toughness you know what i'm saying so wince he he i wouldn't say wince is not a tough guy but his talent is like d minus and his toughness is a b plus and that quarterback that doesn't add up so Wentz, you know, I would put him six, but the other three, I mean, Garoppolo hadn't played enough to even, you know, get a ranking from me. And golf, I would have to put, you know, as probably the scariest quarterback I've seen in quite some time. Well, it's funny because I feel like every time Garoppolo plays, he gets hurt. Right. <laughs> like he the new he the new Chris Chandler, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like every time he get hurt, he out. You know, you know, right. so and I, I agree with you. I I would you have Carr second, I would have uh Bridgewater second. You know, mm-hmm. a healthy Bridgewater, I would have him second uh, because I just think that he just so he's so calm. He's like the black Joe Montana. Right. All right. <laughs> you know, he's slender. He, he's calm. And he, I would have Winston number one because, again, the Winston be out there leading. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you want to describe what leadership look like, you can't you can't really describe it with no. words. You just look at Jameis Winston. No, you know, and I so, always go back to his career at Florida State. And you got to remember, not only, you know, did he have an awesome record, but how many games he had to come back in, how many games he played in that were tough games where he had to make a play and he made it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you, you can't coach that. Like you, I mean, that's just, that's just an attribute that you can't measure. And he have that in spades. So that's what makes him the number one quarterback. I mean, from a down to down throwing, I take Derek Carr over almost anybody. Like Derek Carr could throw a football, but James Winston, you can't replace what they would call his intangibles. So that's why I have Winston as number one. Yeah, I got Winston, Bridgewater, Dak. Dak was just phenomenal. We always talk, we talked about this during the season. You know, uh, this was a guy that had Mississippi State number one in the country. Right, <laughs> beating know, everybody, beating everybody with Deronia Wilson. <laughs> right, your, your little partner, Deronia, <laughs> and whoever at running back, <laughs> bro. Didn't that whoever running back leave early? Yeah, like he, like he was Marcus Allen. Like he got full of that Dak juice and thought he was cold. <laughs> like man, they gonna need me, right? <laughs> so Dak would be Dak would be uh, third. I would have Carr fourth. Carr pocket presence still have to get up the par. I feel like he sack himself a lot. He got himself hurt quite honestly. <laughs> so I would have Carr ahead of Mariota, who I have right behind Carr fifth. Um, and then Bortles, I would have Winston, maybe Bortles, because I had it's funny, I had the same grade for all these dudes for golf, Winston, Bortles. I had, I think, third round grades for mm-hmm. all these dudes, third or fourth round grades for all these dudes. So they're kind of the same guy, yeah. Golf would be last because of his pocket presence. Bortles, his accuracy is terrible. I know, at least Wentz, you know, you can at least Wentz has a championship pedigree from North Dakota State, right? And you know, and here's that you know, Wentz gonna stick to the playbook. He's exactly. gonna throw the slant. He's gonna throw the out. He's gonna throw the check down. And like the in the millisecond, the ball gonna be gone. So you know, right. Wentz at least gonna stick to the playbook, right? Because Bortles really just be out there like he a dude you work with. That's like, man, I'm about to go play some quarterback this weekend. You down? It's like, no, I'm not down because you say you, you telling them you can't be hitting that crown before we go play. Because <laughs> when he out there throwing, that's what you think. He on something, right? You got because this dude, the amount of pick sixes he has thrown, 
is remarkable, right. you know. So that that's how we, we were ranking. And people always get caught up with the whole, well, is this player a franchise quarterback? Can he be your franchise? But what exactly does that mean? Hey, I, w- I would say this. It's about franchise quarterback, and I really mean it. First of all, I'm going to just say your number one trait is you have to be ready for big games because in, in order to win championships, that's big games. You know, everybody got a quarterback. We always say this. Your quarterback is supposed to be able to complete passes. No matter what, If I, even if I have a middle school quarterback, his job is to complete passes. So, you know, I don't get excited when you're doing things that you're supposed to do. So on a quarterback team for a franchise quarterback, the traits I'm looking for, how you playing big games, how do you do in big moments? How do you do on how's your pocket presence presence? Meaning if do you step up in the pocket or do you run yourself in the sacks? And the last, you know, and all I need you to do is be decent as a quarterback. But those three traits all matter to me before your, you know, accuracy and all that. Because you could be the most accurate passer, but if you crack under pressure, you're gonna throw a pick or the ball gonna get away from you because you scared. So that's why that I mean, that's why I always go to somebody like Dak. Dak might not be the most accurate thrower, but he can throw accurately enough, consistently enough that I can trust him on a down to down because I know he never is going to fold under the pressure of the moment. And and that's why I stand too, man, because again, I just need you to not be scared. Can you thrive <laughs> on pressure? You know, and you know, you look at guys that, that do well on third downs. You look at guys that do well in the, in the fourth quarter when you have to close out a game or when you right. backed up or when you backed up as far as, uh, situation let's say you're you know on your own five yard line you got 95 yards to go and this right. is where we've seen guys like Dak uh Bridgewater in that playoff game against Seattle um we saw Winston do some things we even saw Mariota do it against New Orleans uh Carr had did it virtually six games <laughs> last year where the Raiders had to come back damn near every game right All right <laughs> you know so we've seen that from these guys and and the you know that's what you want even if you're not as talented you can technically call a dude as much as we talked about uh, Patrick Mahomes replacing him, you can kind of call Alex Smith the franchise guy because at least you're getting to a certain point with him. You know, right. so I think that's the difference. And people think franchise quarterbacks have anything to do with size, and it doesn't. Oh, well, he's 6'5", 250, so he has the look of a franchise quarterback. No, that's not what makes a franchise oh. quarterback. I would right. take Kellen Moore, and people laugh at that, but at least I know this dude not afraid. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Hey, I love Kellen Moore. Hey, people don't understand. There's a reason why Boise State was winning all those games, and this literally is Boise was State. <laughs> so I mean, that to me is literally the biggest trait of a quarterback. I'm gonna just say that again, just to make sure this is clear. Uh, every quarterback should be able to complete passes. That is the job. You know what I'm saying? Like, period. That that doesn't excite me when I see you drop back in a well protected pocket and complete a pass. You are a quarterback. I need to know what you're gonna do in the game on the line. That that's what I'm looking for. And then once again, I could just jump back to uh we talked about the guy Trubisky. I mean, you eight and five, man. And there's no way I'm taking you number two overall. <laughs> right. Point blank, man. Point blank. Man, my stomach hurt, man. What you mean your stomach hurt? Man, my back hurt, man. I mean, you need to stop what you're doing. You're running around all night, you're on a flight, you're putting something in your nose that ain't agreeable with your body, and here you want to wake up and talk about it's something you ate last night. It's the red grape. Ah, no it ain't. You need to stop what you're doing. It's the dope. The brown gonna bring you down, the white gonna keep your height. But I like it. But no, you need to stop. 
You're running around, you're talking about you want to do security work. Man, you can't stay woke. How you going to watch somebody and you can't watch yourself? You need to straighten up, get in the mirror and say, I'm going to stop right now. But I like it. No, what you need to do is you need to straighten up, get your mind right, and say, I'm going to do what I need to do. I need to quit getting off the hill and straighten up but you want to do everything else. You're throwing up on the carpet. You're coming around acting like people don't know. I know when you're getting down. I know what you're doing. Everybody else know what you're doing. You're scratching, you're blaming on the soap pot. Talking about it's the detergent. No, it ain't the detergent. It's that shit. You need to stop. You're throwing up. You're look-a-hooing, you're rubber-necking, and you're goose-necking. And you're talking about you want to improve yourself. You need to say, I quit. But I can't quit Ziggy because I like it. Man, every time I hear that Ziggy, man, I swear that hey. is the funniest <laughs> conversation. You because we could both visualize that conversation happening <laughs> with somebody, right? Hey, Ziggy Wiggle, man. You gotta hey, you gotta thank Babe and them for, for, for putting that one out because that that wiggle, man. Well, when you hear Ziggy, you know it's time for a <laughs> tough conversation and, and sticking with the theme of quarterbacks. You know we have to have a tough conversation because what I've seen so far is I don't know when did this start to pick up steam, but we just talked about a bunch of young quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And I've seen over the course of this offseason, everybody's putting Marcus Mariota as the best young quarterback in football, as better than Jameis Winston, as better than Dak, um, better than a guy like Deshaun Watson, and he's better than Bridgewater. I'm thinking like, well, you know, again, because you have to go back to the tape and figure out if you hating or not, right? Right. So <laughs> I had to go back to the time. Like, what did I miss? Because I missed this revival of Tennessee, who's still trying to get to the playoffs. So I came back again and just confirmed what I already thought that, yo, he can play, but he's nowhere near better than Jameis, Dak. You know, you could make a case for him maybe being better than Derek Carr, but we saw Derek Carr put the Raiders damn near in the Super Bowl if right. it went for, for a broken ankle, right? right. So I'm just still trying. First of all, he got to finish the season. Right. You know, uh, and second hey, of all, first, I need to first, find out the big games that he has put together to where the Titans have won. Yeah, no, listen. We, we First of all, you got to take into consideration the conference he's playing in, right? True. So you can pull off a few victories and be mediocre. But second of all, you just look at this. His, right now, his overall record, 11-16. and 16. Last year they were eight and seven with him as a quarterback, but the reality is, man, like he had a good year last year. But you have to do it consistently, and it's amazing that they can go with Mariota as being the best young quarterback. When I'm looking and seeing that, you know, Dak Prescott first year he threw for damn near 3,800 yards, 23 touchdowns, and only four picks as a rookie. Well, I mean, you you know what it is, right? I mean, because because <laughs> that offensive line, right? I mean, literally, that's his numbers. He was thirteen and three, thirty-seven hundred yards, close to thirty-six something, twenty-three touchdowns, four intercepts, and six rushing touchdowns. So you know, the fact that Mariota could be over Prescott is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So here's the thing: is once I think people get it twisted. You know, they'll say you hate. No, it's that when somebody gets overhyped. For no reason, like he hasn't done what is, you know, what is required to be called the best young quarterback yet. When you got Dak, who just did what he did. It's true. I mean, and if you look at Tennessee's schedule last year, they lost to Minnesota in week one when 
Sam Bradford just got there, right? Mm-hmm. They lost to Minnesota. They lost to Oakland. They lost to Houston the first time. They lost to Indy. They lost to the Chargers. They got swept by Indy, and they lost to Jacksonville, in which that's the game where he got hurt. Now, they did beat Kim- – oops – Got all kind of these auto play things. I'm trying to get the stats, man. Like no, no, listen, they I can tell you the one good victory they had, a decent victory you take from last year, they beat the Packers. Right. I mean, but they 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 beat the Lions, the Dolphins, the Browns, the Jaguars, the Bears, the Broncos. Yeah, I'm I'm not seeing these these big games, you know. You know, the Chiefs and the and the Texans. And almost every team we just named is weak at the quarterback position. The only quarterback they actually beat was Green Bay. And and I think that game was like that was a weird game because that game I believe uh, was it snowing or something like something was going on that game. Yeah. Where Green Bay got off the they got off the bus getting blown out. So um, I mean, you know, uh, even uh, if you go back to his rookie year, right? They lost all those games. They beat Jacksonville. They beat New Orleans, and they beat Tampa Bay in the opener. I, you know, I'm, 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 all I'm saying is the dude got talent. He's much better than what they had since Vince Young, right? Mm-hmm. But I need to see him perform under pressure and in big games. However, he does do a great job inside the red zone. He's, I think he's like damn near perfect inside the red zone with, without, he doesn't have a turnover inside the red zone. Yeah, no, he's such a threat to run, too. That's the thing. He's a, I mean, he's an A plus run. He's a great athlete. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. He, he is a like when I say A plus, I mean an above average. He's not just a he's not even above average. He's a great runner. So he's a great athlete when he takes off with the ball. But the problem is his decision making under pressure and his ability to perform in a big game. So I mean, until you see that, you know, is you you have to show that first. And once again, I guess that's just going back to what we just talked about. Like that's our number one requirement. And so the fact that we still haven't seen him do anything in any big games. It, it, it prevents me from elevating him into the upper echelon of, you know, the most talented quarterback. His numbers were great. He did have some great numbers, but it's all about being consistent and doing it over time, you know, before I can say, oh, he's one of the best. And then, like I say, then comparatively, if you're looking at his numbers and comparing them to Dak and then they make all these excuses about Dak, it, it just it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I just can't figure out. What it, I mean, I know maybe because he's soft spoken, he's quiet. You know, he, he's, right. a, he's a handsome young Some man. Dead, right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? You could bring him to your, you know, bring it. He could take your daughter out to, you know, Applebee's or something <laughs> like that, right? So I just don't understand. I, I'm like, yo, what is this? Where is this coming from? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. until they get in the playoffs, I'll, you know, I, it, I mean, you got to win some big games, man. Like, I'm, I mean, he could get them two every year with Jacksonville at this point. I, I mean, at the end of the day, can can we call him almost like a, taller version of alex smith yeah no exactly no and i'm a little more athletic you know what i'm saying he's a, like he's a very talented player obviously he was great in college and at oregon but even still at oregon what when it came to the big games he was liable to fold on you. so right. that's so, you know that's the ultimate you know marker and that and that's that's the toughest conversation we had to have this week with the people out there because again it, it started to come out of nowhere and, and it seemed like one person says it and then everybody rolls with it, and next thing you know, they one up in each other. Like, oh, he may be better than Montana was, and you know how these stat these stat guys know, hey, do. But I'm gonna just go back. It's the same thing we said this about Tony Romo. Tony Romo is a great quarterback when it's all blocked well, and when he up and when he's leading. 
But when it's a close game or it's a big game or the moment is huge, he like literally 90% of the time you could bet your money that he's going to fold. You know what I'm saying? So that's the mm-hmm. same thing with Mariota. Mariota looked good. Mariota could have a year where he put up 30 and 10 or, you know, 35 and 11 or something like that. But I guarantee you when you dig through the numbers and you look through the tough games with the toughest defenses, you're going to find some of his worst play. And again, this is a guy that had his team on the brink of the playoffs, but in certain games where you expect him to win, like against these better teams, you expect him to step up. That's when he had his worst performance. And so you're absolutely right. So we'll take a quick musical interlude and be right back with more of the football freestyle. When I was young, they was rapping about self-destruction. I mean, damn, if I don't walk around and see a self-destructing. Either you understand or stand in disgrace. I often catch some people standing in place. But behind every great struggle, there's a man in the make. English connect so you could get a clue about what's headed your way. I see the last days. I see the daddy on the phone behind the glass crying, wishing that he had days. Working hard to get your land laid off. And trip when I think about how much of this is man-made Plan your work, work your plan Was the words of a man who survived on his last day And since the game has been wounded We can reasonably assume that We gon' need more than a band-aid I'm about to fix this shit Pardon me while I spit this here Tell your people how legit this is I let you think about it I'm about to fix this you should... Man, that's one of your favorite songs, man uh, My favorite songs that you put out The Fix, I, I think that song Is just a Just a, a banger anywhere Whether you're in the gym, whether you're rolling Whether you're about to run up on McDonald's and get that you know, that, that nice little Quarter pounder special, whatever you about to do I think right. The Fix was uh was is one of your dopest songs. What went into you writing the fix? Um, I I could just say this that I mean obviously it's called the fix, playing on the word that trying to fix something, and just always talking about my issues with rap in general and um just you know overall you're not hearing much meaning in music and so one of the first lyrics in the song when you hear me say uh I say when I was young we was they was rapping about self destruction. And I'll be damned if I don't walk around and see a self-destructing. And the whole purpose of that is just me saying that, I mean, when we were younger, even the rappers that were from different areas, different coasts, they came together to make music together. You know what I'm saying? Like, like literally collaboratively, all of the best rappers got together to make a positive song about, you know, not being stupid and taking care of each other. And, you know, nowadays, like that's something that you couldn't even, I can't even imagine it happening. Like, cause the way these dudes, like, they gotta be the hardest, the most gangster, you know, every somebody in some Twitter beef with somebody else, you know, you know, right. so it's just crazy. Like, and then what's so funny is, you know, they, in that song, that old school song, self-destruction, they were just rapping about how we out here destroying each other. And it's just funny that years later, everything they said pretty much came to fruition and it's like, they still not listening. So that's pretty much where that came from. Just trying to fix the whole thing when nobody's talking about anything real. So now it's funny because that song was perfectly placed right before this, this topic that we're going to talk about media cannibalism. You know, Mm -hmm. it's almost like nothing out there is real. And what they put out there is a lot of stuff that's going to eat this whole industry alive. And you see people already talking about, Oh, uh, the industry is dying. Journalism is dead. Like, no, just, People just don't have time to read trash, you know. Right. But I just don't understand why the media has a need to 
you know, I hate to use this word because I hate it when I hear it. The juicy stories, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I just don't understand the whole need for the media to, to be petty. Hey, listen, this this is the one thing that bothers me with it is that it's just a fact that I mean, you you've heard this saying before where they say, oh, people like they'll build you up to tear you down and they love to see you fail. Like the media is literally the proof of that because I mean, it's just point blank period. You could do a thousand great things and nobody talk about it. You do one bad thing and it's all over TV and it's like, it's the total, you know, like turning fact of how you judge publicly. So I, I mean, I, I never forget to say with Jameis Winston, I mean, he's literally, so they're playing his game on TV and as the game is playing, is running at the bottom about alleged allegations against him. So while they're advertising your talent, they're letting everybody under that screen know that somebody didn't say something about you. So what's funny about that is, and what, what just killed me is that it's alleged, right? And, you know, and I'm not. I know that's a sensitive topic based off what he was alleged to do, but I don't care what the crime is until you have been found guilty of something. It's not news. Because what if it's false? So if it's false, whatever the crime is, that means you have been on TV, you have been in the public eye, people have changed their perception of you based off of something somebody said that turned out not to be true. So until somebody is convicted of something, it's not even news to me, period. It's funny because we just saw this earlier this week with Lucky Whitehead. It right. comes, the story comes out that he was shoplifting. Media, oh my God, these athletes, these these darkies, these this, these that, they right. get paid, they do this to the, why would you want to say, what about the kids? What about the troops, right? So <laughs> yeah, all that's all that going on. And then it, a day later, it, the Cowboys cut them. And then a day after that is like, oh, the police like, well, you know what, man? We we made a mistake, it was the wrong person. You don't hear nothing <laughs> from the media. Right. Oh man, right. we made a mistake. Oh, we, no, they got them articles out. They, right. they you know, angry typed, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm a show this dude, I'm gonna tell, all my followers that these athletes are pampered and they're thuggerous and all I mean, that stuff like that, right? <laughs> but I mean, when, look, it, it, when it was false, nobody came and said, you know what? We apologize. I mean, you look at what's going on now with the Cowboys and Zeke Elliott. I mean, here's the thing. If he did something and they found he did something, suspend him. And it's a story. But, I mean, weeks and months and years of talking about something – that you have no conclusion on, like, what are you trying to do other than ruin this guy's image? I'm still like, waiting on that Dez Bryant tape, too. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't understand running these false negative stories before there's any finality to the story. Like, if there's no finality to the story, then it's not a story. Like, alleged is alleged. So it's just crazy. Like, they will really like bury you off of allegations. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's crazy, man. Like as much as they love to see you score touchdowns, they would love to see you catch that charge because that oh, charge, wow. they could, they, they could talk about that for, for six months and for the rest of your career, when you retire and your downfall and make your downfall special. You know <laughs> right. <I'm> right. right. <laughs> they look at you like, Oh man, I can write so many books. My exactly. life as a beat writer, when there's beat his mama in the parking lot of Walmart. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so, I mean, book. that's the thing. It is, it's just so crazy. And I don't know, you know, like you say, maybe it's because we're former athletes and we actually played that we just can't relate to it. But I can't relate to trying to put somebody 
personal business in the street that you don't know nothing about that you know could be damaging to the you know overall public perception like that's just crazy to me if if it's not final it's not final and it is and it's what's so funny is it's not exclusive to football players it's anybody in the spotlight mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying it's anybody with any type of fame they like you could donate 10 million dollars to 10 different don't ton- charities but let you get caught doing anything illegal they they'll play that on espn for a week before they talk about the charity that you had oh they, they won't see you burn boy so that <laughs> them 30 for 30s ain't gonna sell themselves boy exactly, exactly. <laughs> like i need you to get caught with that dope exactly <laughs> i need i need you getting caught in the back of the parking lot with brenda <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm saying let you fall out sprinkle some crack over you you know what i'm yeah. saying Dope like, is crazy. So right. I mean, that's that's you know, but I guess that's why we call it media cannibalism. They will eat you alive for real. Like I mean, <laughs> literally, they was eating Jameis alive. He on TV playing, and <laughs> underneath his game, they're telling you that he a rapist, probably. Right, like probably right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's all. It's no worse than you know. Some a uh, dude said in in the hood, right? Like man, shoot, right. dude said. So and so was out here, you know, robbing cats. Like it's just, it's, it's a lie that right. it may have some truth to it, but it's ninety four percent false. Right? <laughs> like, man, oh man, they told me that. Like, no, somebody exactly. told me like that is over. Right? You know? And they say they say what well, they say. <laughs> right? What well, they say? Well, the day has never said anything. Though. <laughs> right. Like, show me date. They is batting zero percent, man. <laughs> exactly. So I, I mean, I feel you though. Right? But it, but you know, when they 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 love this media cannibalism because it kind of ties into our next point, where people love to say, "Oh, uh, this is gonna affect the locker room, and it's gonna break up the locker room." And right. now that's one of the biggest myths in football. Like you Wait. think dudes care about what the hell going on? Like, can you ball? You know, how about this? I mean, even what that was today. I mean, Odell, you do have the best hands in the league, but aren't you a distraction (laughs) (laughs) in uh, in your contract and your hair? And aren't you a distraction to the team, Odell? (laughs) Like, Like, what about you wanting to be the highest paid? Ain't you greedy? What about Eli? (laughs) Like, if you don't get out, like, I'll be surprised these athletes don't punch these dudes, man. Like, like God, God bless me for not being an athlete. <laughs> like, why, why are you checking my, my pockets? Right. Like, like, don't ask me a question you don't want the answer to, right? Right. Don't ask me oh what you think. God. Yeah, I think I should be the highest paid player. Well, you know, he said that, but I mean, <laughs> that may that may cause friction in the locker room because you know right. that locker with all those men, right? Those 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 leaders, and right? And as, but as you being a leader, shouldn't you take less? <laughs> <laughs> yo, I can't stand it, bro. I can't stand it, yo. Uh, oh, this is the fact that so we're talking about football myths, right? And we came out with a book that you can find on our website at footballgameplan.com slash books called Stiff Arming Football Myths, right? And we dropped some gems. And that, that book quietly came out three years ago. All right. It it's crazy. Bank. It's a classic. It's a classic. And it's still relevant to this day. So what are some of the football myths that that you want to talk about? Because we're going to share some. What's one of your biggest football myths? 
I mean, I know you get tired of hearing this one, but I just I've always said this that the the biggest myth is that size matters. Right. And at, at, at any position. I mean, that is like size never matters, and it's at any sport. Your skill supersedes your size. Muggsy Bogue's skill superseded his size. You know, you can go through a, a lot of short baseball players, their skill supersedes this like skill is skill is skill. So if I see you doing it on tape in high school, in college, what clicks in anybody's brain to make them think you can't do it on the next level when you are doing it against the same people that you play against in the college and in, in the NFL? Like it's, it's just the, it's the most flawed, you know, way of scouting in the world that size at any position matters. That is the biggest myth of all, no matter what it is, if you can do it, you can do it. Exactly. And we talked about this before. We we went back and forth about the Russell Wilson thing. If you say he oh well, he ain't be able to see over the offensive line. Like what you think Wisconsin <laughs> offensive line is, right? So that should have canceled everything out right there, right? right. And, oh, well, I mean the NFL is just a different beast because they got all these these monsters and they're gonna be batting this ball down. All right, let's go back and see how many passes was bad at the line of scrimmage. Two, who right. led the league, who led college football in batted passes? Brock Osweiler. Right. And he's 6'10". You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> again, if you watch this dude ball out, why are you still questioning his, his size? We I talked know. about this with Darren Sproles. This dude, and we know nobody runs the ball better than Bill Snyder's Kansas State Wildcats, right? They're going to line up and run the hell out the ball. All and right. they gave this 5'6", 195-pound tailback the ball buku times, and he ran <laughs> over 2,000 yards. Yards, exactly. <laughs> oh, so when we get in the league, you know, he's just going to be – uh, we got to put him out in space, right? You know, hey, put him hey, out in hey. space. But here's the thing, and historically, like we said, you can go through the record books and just see that you know. So Drew Brees shattering every passing record at six feet. Russell Wilson almost had back-to-back Super Bowls in his first three years at six feet. You have uh, what's the guy? I can't. You got Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie, yeah. I mean, just winning Heisman's, doing all this stuff. You know, five ten. So you have all this proof and, you know, and I mean, even you go to running back, you say Barry Sanders, if, if like you say, if it was nowadays, Barry Sanders wouldn't get a shot. Right. They say he's a satellite player and he is literally still to this day has the greatest season in college football history at five foot eight, 200, 203 pounds. So the greatest football rushing season in the history of football came from Barry Sanders and the all time leading rusher is Donnell Pumphrey. And he like five, six, you know, <laughs> nine pounds. Like. Exactly. <laughs> but they telling you that size is the over, you know, size matter. It's just the it's the the biggest myth at any position. You know, and yeah. I, I'm gonna say it again and I don't want to say it every show, but it bothers me, you know, being being that I bleed purple and gold, that Deion Jones sat on the bench for three years because they wanted him to be bigger at LSU. As if that was gonna make him a different player. Like that, you know, it just bothers me. So it if is size matters. <laughs> if size mattered, Brandon Jacobs would have been the best running back in history. And Christian Nicoya would be the lead in <laughs> Russia. He'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. Right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? But you thought Atwater gave a damn about right. the size of Christian Nicoya? <laughs> and no, here, here's why it's so funny at the running back position. Being big hurts you because that just means more people going to take low shots on you because that's what they have to do to get you down. So being a big guy and a big physical back 
it literally makes your ankles and your knees more of a target because nobody coming at you across your chest because you're so strong. Stop speaking from experience, man. Like <laughs> that that's clearly a, a negative in, in this day and age of football analysis. You can't have practical experience and right. talk about the position. How right. dare you say you have to play football to be able to talk about football? <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. The one myth that, that gets on my nerves, and I and I, you know, you try not to talk. I try to talk to everybody, at least give everybody a shot. Uh, you know, talking football until they bring up something that I don't agree with and I shut up, right? You know, because I like that I can't continue this conversation because I don't you you clearly showed that you don't know what you're talking about, right? So it's no sense to keep going. So one of the biggest things I hate is when people jump in and it was like, you know, you're like, man, what do you think about this this team here? Like, well, you know, if they can do X, Y, and Z, they have a shot, but I really like team B to win because they have this this guy, they run this type of offense, and that can affect their defense this way. Then the other dude to jump back in, like, yeah, but they playing on the road, like, no, <laughs> <laughs> home and away does the not matter, match. man. Like, and like, speaking as former athletes, did we care that we played on the road or at home? We no. just want to play football, right? No, here's the thing: anybody that plays football will tell you that in the game you don't hear nothing. I mean, <laughs> that might sound crazy. But you don't. Like, I mean, you may, okay, before the snap, the crowd loud. But once the ball snap, you so zoned out and in tune to what you're doing, you don't have time to hear nothing. Like, you, you, that's not really a, a attribute that your body is using at that point. you hearing something. So, it's, you know, it's just the stupidest thing ever. I mean, the, the crowd don't win your games. I'm sorry. Like is is you know if that's the case then everybody would be undefeated at all. <laughs> the whole fucking league. I'm sorry. The whole damn league would be eight and eight, right? You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> what they don't here's what they don't get, man. And you you brought up you zone out. You are so focused on remembering the snap count number one <laughs> and remembering the play right. that you hear your own thoughts, you hear yourself breathing, and right. you don't hear the crowd until after. You know the 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 play ends and you hit a roar, and, and the, it does. The crowd does not affect the game. The NFL has done a great job in having these fans believe they have an impact. Like, it's no, so funny. Here's the thing. I it, I guess it, this is what it goes to. And I just had that. I guess the realization is because we know this is that when you playing football, you your life really on the line. Like when that ball snap, you really could get killed. Like you really playing a game. Well, somebody could really hurt you. So instinctively, it's like when you're in trouble and your instincts are in survival mode, you know, everything is so tuned out. You you don't use things you that you don't need when you're in survival mode. When you're in survival mode, you focus strictly on what you're trying to do. So in a football game, when the ball snap, at the moment that ball snap, like literally somebody could hurt you. So at that point, you're in survival mode when that ball snap, you know, or whatever you know, your job is you have to remember that. So I, I, that's probably why you tune that out. But it is crazy to think that the crowd, other than, you know, maybe a, a offside penalty or two, that that does happen. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to be the determining factor on whether you win or lose an entire football game. Like, you think Jerry Rice, when he was running the post and tracking the ball, he think, man, they booing the hell out of me, boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> Like you think Barry Sanders breaking somebody's ankles, he like, ooh, they don't like that one. 
Oh, uh, Pittsburgh, man. Yeah, I man. broke Rod Woodson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, that that is one of the one of the just dumbest myths in the world that the crowd. I mean, that home home field advantage matter. Like, yeah, you may be more comfortable. You don't have to travel, but from snap to snap, play to play, the crowd has nothing to do with the with the game. And you be so amped to play a game that, that that's the other one. Well, you know the I mean the Raiders. They traveling all the way out east. You know, that time different. Like, dog, football players want to play football. Ballers want to ball. Right. It don't matter the game being played at 3 in the morning on the right. moon. Right. I want to I make these dudes across from me understand I'm better than them, right? <laughs> but that's what they don't get. They don't get that. Like, most of these dudes that grew up playing, like, you play at 10 o'clock. At one park, then around by your friend house at two, and then by five you was at another park playing. So the thought of traveling to play a game—that's just ridiculous to think that's gonna affect you. Like when you was young, you play seven games in the day if you had to. So I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Oh, that that travel—you know that jet lag, <laughs> right? Because you know, I mean, go, when you when you get a team from California, going from. Going from California all the way to Florida, that's gonna take a toll. Like, no, Jacksonville's still not gonna beat, you know, Seattle. As long as they step on the field and they still playing football, as long as they hadn't changed the rules to the game, and we playing the same sport that I was playing in Florida in California, the time is of no essence, of, of no relevance, I should say. As long as I'm awake, you know exactly. what I'm saying? Like I don't get it. Like, like look, I mean, literally, you could play a game, and, and we could agree to play at two in the morning. Like, right? As long as we know we got it, no, because the night before a game, you can't sleep, right? So I, I don't. Right. I, so, shout out to nah, all those people out there that believe that dumb shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> check out the book "Stiff Home and Football Myths" on our website right. at footballgameplan.com/books. Authored by myself, I W. Ron Davenport, Gene Clemens, Chris James, and also Brandon Howard all chipped in with some funny and realistic myths. Uh, we just gave you two right there. We have 50 more in that book. So we'll take a quick musical interlude and come back with some meanwhile. Welcome back to the Football Freestyle. Emory Hunt, the czar of the playbook with I-Dub of doyoumusic.com. That's D-U-E-U music.com. Two albums out right now, About Time and also Season 2. And the music that you hear right now means that we have some hot takes to get into. So that means our Meanwhile segment is up. So <laughs> I-Dub, I'll let you go ahead on and kick it off first. So I was wondering if my body can handle all the flaming Hot Fritos I've been eating this summer. And meanwhile, I peep on the internet and I see the Monday morning quarterback and put out a list 
of the top quarterback. And on this list, they had Carson Wentz rated ahead of Dak Prescott. And I'm going to just bring this up again. I know we didn't address this in this episode, but I mean, you just look at the first of all record. Let's let's not forget Dallas went 13 and 3. And 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 literally were in a, a tight tight game in the playoffs that they could have easily won. So, I mean, let's not forget that. But just look at the numbers. Dak 3600, close to 3700 yards, 23 touchdowns, four intercepts. Wentz 3800 yards on buku more attempts. 16 touchdowns and 14 intercepts. Explain that. He can't. What, and he can't. 23 to 4, 16 to 14. And 14 fumbles, too. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, and, and forget, oh yeah, and, and the great win, the great scrambler, he had two rushing touchdowns. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Drew Brees had two rushing touchdowns last year, too. So I've just, I mean, I, I don't know, man. That's just crazy. Like, I mean, there's some other stuff about that list that was pretty crazy. But just to see that, like, I, it just goes to this narrative that that they keep running that went to somehow better. Matter of fact, this happened earlier today. I'm sitting there watching. I don't know one of the shows, and they literally said this. They said, "Well, you know, Dak Prescott, we gotta, we gotta see if he's gonna be able to do it again." But we know Philadelphia ready because they didn't. They didn't put all these weapons around Wentz, so it's not a if Philadelphia gonna be better. Like they, they already know, so they got a hope. You know, it's a if if Prescott gonna redo what he did. But Philly, they got all these weapons now, so Wentz, you know, is is is, is it's a shoe right now. It's a shoeing. Like I, I mean, like I said, it's all got to just all got to play out, man. Well, but the funny part is that's Andy Benoit, or ben, I'm sorry, Benoit. We from New Orleans, so right. but it's Andy Benoit. <laughs> Right, such a dumbass man. I don't know how this dude still has. He's known as a film guy, and mm-hmm. on that same list you're talking about, he also had Russell Wilson behind Eli Manning, Matt Jeez. Stafford, Philip Rivers, Derek Carr, and Joe Flacco. Now, Jeez. somebody, somebody called him out on that. Well, a lot of people, somebody called him out on that. He was like, "Well, this is what he said to date." Wilson is fascinating because you, how you view him hinges largely on what traits you most value in the quarterback. I learned to study the game at NFL Films in Ron Jaworski's and Greg Cassell's office. Wait, wow. so so <laughs> so being in their office, but wait, wait, this Greg Cosell and, and shout out to Greg Cosell with, with the production on NFL Films and NFL Sunday Count uh, matchup. Those shows are off the chain, but right. this is the same Greg Cosell that said he would take. Uh, Mettenberger over James Winston. Wow. So so this dude learned under him. Okay. Um, so he said, these guys really value classic drop back pocket passing. So with that lens, I initially studied through, the more I studied and the more NFL coaches I've gotten to know and watch film with, I'm pretty sure the coaches he gotten to know and watch film with also thought Ryan Tannehill was a top eight quarterback worthy of right. election, and also All thought right. Winston was better than every other quarterback that was going to come out the next following season, right? right. And thought golf was a top passer, right? So these are these NFL coaches too. So he was like, the reason is, he said, I've become more to value pocket passing. The reason is from a schematic standpoint, it is by far the best avenue for sustained down-to-down success, both for the quarterback and the 10 other offensive players on the field. It's markedly easier to craft a playbook for a pocket passer than a run around guy. Now, is he talking about Joe Webb or is he talking about <laughs> Russell Wilson? He, I don't know. He, he, 
I, that that sounds like a description of Joe Webb to me. And, and what's so crazy about this, and I think which is just the most underappreciated part of Russell Wilson game because they you, you get a lot of talk about his size and his defense and his running game and all this. But numbers-wise, if you watch the game, even talent-wise, it's been like that since he was in college. This dude is the most efficient passer that there is. Like literally, I mean, this dude hit the his greatest strength is his ability to sit in that pocket and pick you apart. And I mean, just because he has the ability to, you know, make something out of nothing when when nothing is there, that's not a fault. That's a plus. But his his number one asset is his ability to sit in the pocket and you know pick you apart. So here's how dumb Andy Benoit is. <laughs> Going back to North Carolina State freshman season for Russell Wilson. 17 touchdowns, one pick, right? 17 and one as a true and freshman. As not, a true not, not a freshman. red shirt, true freshman. Just no, he was a red shirt. shirt. He was a red shirt. He was a red shirt. And 17 and one, right? Mm-hmm. His last season at Wisconsin, 72% completion percentage, 10.3 yards in attempt, 33 touchdowns to only four picks. Wait, listen, listen. And I, I'm going to just remind everybody that that year, Russell Wilson lost on two Hail Marys. So Wisconsin was, should have had a national championship. Yeah, listen, Russell Wilson, the only game he lost, they lost when he wasn't on the field, and the team got two Hail Marys to beat. Now, you fast forward to the NFL. Not only did he go to the playoffs as a rookie, beating out a pocket pass in, in uh, Matt Flynn right. for the job, <laughs> went 11-5, was... Finished the season with a hundred quarterback rating. Second season got them to the Super Bowl and won. Third season got them to the Super Bowl and should have won. Hand the ball to Lynch, Pete. In the 2015 season, 110 passer rating on the season, 34 touchdowns, eight intercepts. The only reason why he didn't win MVP because Cam Newton won MVP, who had his team 15 and one in the right. Super Bowl. Right. This dude so far has thrown 127 touchdowns, only. 45 intercepts and has a career passer rating of 99.6. What the hell is Andy Benoit talking about? about. Man, he's so (laughs) stupid. I know, no, hey, M, but they gotta find a reason. They they gotta find a reason. So here's the thing. And this this goes to the what I always talk about. Sometimes from coaching to analytics to you know scouting these players, sometimes it's not about football. So a lot of times these people writing about Russell Wilson is not about football. They try to make it about football, but when you break down the numbers, obviously they, they their opinion is shaded in some way. I, I'm well, you know what? Let's move on from this. So Andy Benoit. Sit your dumb ass down. Now, I was in the kitchen rearranging the keys on my keyboard before I started typing, right? Right. And I came across Twitter and I saw this dude Dan Whalen, right? Mm-hmm. Now at Dan at D in five. Now he was a nice little Division three quarterback, right? Little All American, played in the Arena League, whatever. But he had some issues too with my comment about Kirk Cousins saying that uh, Deshaun Watson is already better than Kirk Cousins, or Deshaun Kaiser, or one of those rookie quarterbacks that said was already better than. than uh, I think it was Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. He was like, "I'll take Cousins over twenty starters in the league and win." Boy. <laughs> Let's, uh, I, what, I mean, what has Cousins won to date? I mean, here's the thing. 
you got to respect his business. I, I we, right. I've been saying this since the franchise tag was it, it created. Franchise me every year. Right. Give me, give me that, give me that fat contract every year. I don't understand why people cry about that. Give it to me. I want it. I'm gonna do the same thing next year. So I respect his, his business acumen, but as far as Kirk Cousins being some elite player, man, would have the Redskins done since he been there. But here's the thing, though, man. This dude said 20 starters. So I'm going to run down this list, right? And I want okay. you to tell me, would you take Kirk Cousins over any one of these dudes? I'm listening. Tom Brady. No. Rodgers. No. Roethlisberger. No. Matt Ryan. No. Andrew Luck. No. Breeze. Hell no. Rivers. No. Manning. Hell no. Stafford. No. Carr. Derek. Yep. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Toyota. <laughs> Flacco. No. Wilson. Bruh, don't you, that's 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 a stupid question. Carson Palmer. Car- See, his. Oh, you already know how I feel about Carson Palmer, but no. Cam Newton. Bro, Winston. This ridiculous. Prescott. No, man. Mariota. No. Dalton. This is crazy. Exactly. No, that's that's nineteen. (laughs) (laughs) They only got thirty-two teams in the league. What the hell is this dude talking about? Gee. Alex Smith. Bro, no, I'm done with that, bro. This is crazy, man. That's crazy, right? So you know, again. Cousins must be his 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 relative or something like that. But I'm gonna tell you right now, Mr. Dan Whelan. Man, if you don't sit your goddamn ugly-ass pistol grip chin down somewhere. I was trying to figure out if my dog wasn't listening to me because she's going deaf, or maybe she just don't respect me no more. And meanwhile, on ESPN, they having a whole panel discussion about how the NFL players never get guaranteed contracts. And to me. I mean that's just absolutely crazy, man. Like, and they saying how here's here's what made the the argument so flawed. Like, oh man, we got bills to pay. We we got money. We got family relying on us and all this stuff, and we can't hold out. And I and, and my whole thing is, man, you realize the people that started this game really used to have second jobs, <laughs> right? Like, if you really like you, if you really bout your money, then go you know work a regular job and do your thing. Tell the tell the owners get right. Like, trust me, it could happen. You know, like so dudes like Richard Sherman would be standing up and saying, you know, things that are in favor of these players making a stand. Like, you as strong as you believe you are. And if you sitting there saying, oh, it could never happen, and that's on you. And the trip part is, man, these owners billionaires, man. I agree. Billionaires. You think they can't guarantee your contract even if you get 10 player contracts and and, and two star players get hurt? They're going to make that money from the nacho stand. (laughs) You understand what I'm telling you? Like, period. Like, like these owners so rich, man, like they could guarantee 30 contracts and still be billionaires. You know why? Because that TV money is guaranteed. Right, like it's crazy. So I mean, so like, not many teams have a great big contract, but still, like, even if you you get a player guaranteed, he get hurt and he making ten mil or whatever, bro, they gonna make ten million that weekend. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, so he can't give you that ten million because that's gonna be less out of his billions. 
It's, you know I, what I'm saying? I find it funny how people always take the side of ownership when it comes to people getting their money, right? Right? Like, but no, they wouldn't crazy. go on their job and, you know what I'm saying, and take less for the team, so it, right? It, it was just disheartening to, to hear some players saying, oh, it can't happen. And then, you know, once again, then going because, oh, they got bills to pay. Man, the dudes, man, back in the day, dudes really had two jobs and they was playing professional football. Right. Back when, so like, that, they had, like, six teams. Right? Like, so if you really bought it, you could make it happen. And I just wish a lot of them dudes would because the reality is, man, we've always said this, man. Like, I mean, it's just common sense, man. Football players put their body on the line more than anybody. So if you're talking about most deserving for the risk and reward, these dudes should get guaranteed money, man. Period. So what show was that? This was, uh, I think it was uh, ESPN, man. ESPN, I don't know if it was NFL Live or one of them things. I just had it on randomly. But it was that. Whatever show that was. Man, sit your ass down. Now, here's the thing. I think we need to go ahead on and put Bleach Report on on some rights, right? Let Bleach Report need to cool out a little bit because there was two things that came out. That just like blew up my phone, right? Okay. So I'm, I'm out. I'm out here train shopping, right? Because I might get me a train, right? So I get a tweet come across from a Connor Rogers at Connor Rogers. He worked for Bleach Report, a fan ragger, uh, whatever it's called, right? Right. Talking about, oh, I think I found a next uh, quarterback prospect you need to keep, uh, get get in touch with, or, or you know, keep an eye on because he may he has some pro traits. Clayton Thorson of Northwestern. And the highlight he showed of this dude hitting a basic out route. Man, it is so funny with these dudes, bro, because you really have to just be bare minimum, tall and white and average, and all of a sudden you're a prospect. This dude threw right. a routine out route, and all of a sudden, well, he looked tall, he fill out his jersey. Oh, yeah, he a pro prospect. Right. We don't see nothing of him performing under pressure, but, well, he could hit this out on, on near hash, so pro prospect. So that's one. Right. The second article came across later on that week. This is what I'm saying. Like, Bleacher Report was hot this week. Right. This one, this was an article written by Greg Wallace. College football quarterbacks that need to switch positions. Gee. And, and two dudes on the list, you already know. Lamar, it was filled with black quarterbacks, right? Of course, of course. So the two were Lamar Jackson, Heisman Trophy winner with 30 touchdowns to only nine intercepts last year, passing. Not a, let, forget the fact that he ran for fifteen hundred and twenty touchdowns. So he had all them yards and touchdowns. He could have run. He could have won the Heisman as a running back. <laughs> exactly. So he got to move to free safety or receiver. And Jalen Hurts, oh he he might as well just shut it down and go play receiver. Like, listen, he may not be the best passer that uh, Lamar Jackson is. But let's not lose sight of the fact this dude didn't start the season and led Alabama to a national championship game and gave Alabama a lead late that ball game. Yeah, no, 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 no. Here's, here's the thing. And, and we talk about this, you know, and, you know, we talked about it earlier this episode. What people don't understand that Jalen Hurts' biggest attribute is he not scared. Like that, like, and that's what Saban rely on. Like literally, they he know he can rely on him in the biggest moments in the biggest games under the biggest pressure. That'll do unflappable, and he showed it. Like Clemson really needed to be on their best at their best to beat them. Because I mean, we literally only pe- pe- person who thought they would win after he scored probably was Watson. Because when 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 Hurts scored that touchdown, you you had a feeling that game was over. 
But I mean, then they had Deshaun Watson to, to try to stop, and he did his thing. But Hurts may not be the best passer, but come on, man, I, I'll take him before a lot of NFL quarterbacks. Man, like listen. period. But give me, give me somebody that's not scared. I know one thing: he ain't gonna be scared. And he was a true freshman, so yeah, imagine freshman. he got room to improve. So I, I know, you know, you know. I wonder if Clayton Thorson had Northwestern in the in the uh, championship game. They barely won the, the doggone pinstripe boat. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So Bleacher Report, Greg Wallace and, and Connor Rogers, go ahead on and sit your five dollar ass down before I make change. You got another one out there for us? No, I'm I I I, I have nothing else stupid this week. Now we reached a part of the show where it's time to get into a little bit of some lyrical prowess. But before we do that, I have to give a shout out to Nesby Phipps. Outstanding album came out two days ago called Black Man for Sale. Check that out. We played a little bit of the sample last episode. He was working on the entire album, 12 tracks. It's outstanding. Like from track one to track 12 is bananas. You can get it on iTunes. You can go on his website and, and, and cop it as well at nesbyphips.com. But it, the the, the uh, album is Black Man for Sale. It's awesome. Trust me. And no, so, hey, listen, and you already know if, if Nesby doing it, the production going to be phenomenal, man. So that's what I it mean. is. The production is is dope uh, from beat selection, or well, not selection, creation. Because exactly, you know, he he, <laughs> the, he, the, he he liked it. He the New Orleans Dr. Dre out here, man. Right, like he, exactly. he ridiculous with it. So, Black Man for Sale, go cop that iTunes, nesbyphips.com. Go check it out. That's our dude, and he put out some great music. So, I dub, I'll let you kick this one off with a freestyle. Go ahead on and get the people something that they want to listen to. All right. So, I'll give you something exclusive, something that's not released, something I'm working on. But I say, see, for the rest of my life, I give up about who threatened my life. I'm too busy watching my daughter. Grow like a weed. Best believe she love to read after watching Star Trek with my wife. And I'm right back to business after handling some. I sit set and well prepped whenever challenges come. I'm going to bet my whole check if I'm on the deck to show his money I'm ever collect. Now going back to my issues. Make sure you walking in some shoes that'll fit you. That talking how you coughing on the news with a picture of your best head shot talking about you was dead shot out with your boys trying to get proven official you found out you wasn't the only one that's cruising with killers all that talk about what you would do until you bumped into some dudes that did it should have been focused on improving your business ain't nobody else gonna tell it like this you can conclude as the witness d-u-e you tell i see you meaning if you work for it you're guaranteed to get what's doing the minute it's time to double check your shoes and your tennis. Set your goals and start removing the limits. I've got an ongoing problem. Yeah. Now, see, people, that was dope, by the way. People <laughs> always say stuff like, you know, if I have so, some complaint about what's going on out there, people tend to say we we hating or we, you know, we we haters or, or we just hating on this person or hating on that person. We're not hating, man. And so I had to, I felt that I had to tell people what, hate really is right right so it's a little something that i wrote called hate you know there's a lot of football analysis that i really can't take it's mostly fake and most of the things that get traction be a lot of the created stuff that they make realness gets kept outside when all they want is a slice of that cake <laughs> and best believe when i say this is not coming from a place of hate because hate is the reason usc had to wait till the 70s to get put on that crimson tie plate 
Hate is the reason BYU had to rinse the field after Wyoming left them burning at the stake. And hate is the reason why Drake no longer plays Oklahoma State. Right. That is hate. <laughs> so you guys go research all that. I just dropped it in and figure it out. So, right. you know, <laughs> that's a lot Easy. of that, that's three. That's three separate incidents that people need to know what real hate is. So I gave them I gave them those those truths to go check it out. But another episode in the books, I dub. Tell people hey. where they can find your music at, man. Hey, listen, once again, you can check me out at doyoumusic.com. That's uh, D-U-E-U music.com. I have uh, stuff on iTunes as well. So I, I just always say, man, if you don't see that logo, then it's not me. So you'll see that IW logo. There's some other dude put out something way a few years back. Go by IW. I don't know who he is. But anything from me, you're going to see a big IW logo on the front. So if you don't see that, it ain't me. Yeah, that dude probably whack anyway. So you can follow me on Twitter at Fball Game Plan. You know, subscribe on iTunes. Our SoundCloud page is football. I'm sorry, soundcloud.com slash FBGP podcast. And all our shows are archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. So I always got to ask this, Dub, how do we leave out? Do we leave out bouncing out or do we leave out with something smooth? Hey, though, you know we got to bounce, man. We're from New Orleans, so we always have to bounce it out. So we'll catch y'all next time. (laughs) 